The Old Testament lesson today comes from Jeremiah 33. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called, The Lord is Our Righteousness. Thank you, Kay. Our gospel lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke, and we're kind of getting toward the end of Luke, uh, and Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. So hear now and listen for how God is speaking to you through these words of the Gospel of Luke. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. And so also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, This generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day catch you unexpectedly, like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. And here ends the reading. And thanks be to God. This is the first Sunday of Advent, our time of waiting, our time of expectation. We have four weeks to prepare ourselves spiritually for Jesus' birth. It's a time to take a deep breath. A deep breath. And to slow down. I know we don't hear that much outside these walls, especially at this time of year, but this is a time to slow down. That's the message that you're going to hear from this pulpit, to slow down. We don't need to make ourselves physically or spiritually sick to prepare for Jesus' birth. And it's hard to pay attention when you're noisy or surrounded by noise. So take a deep breath. Because Jesus is going to arrive on December 25th, whether we think we're ready or not. Christmas is going to happen. And it will happen on the day that has been assigned to it. So when we get to that day, 
Let the joy of Christmas be Jesus' birth. Let that be the joy of Christmas. Even if maybe some of the food isn't ready or some decorations didn't get put out or some shopping didn't get done. Let the joy of Christmas be that Jesus was born, the birth of our Messiah. And so we are in this time where we wait for Jesus. But there's a paradox here, as there is in so much of our faith. There's a paradox here in that we anticipate Christ coming. We anticipate Jesus' birth, and yet, Jesus is already here. Here in us. You are the body of Christ. We are Christ's body. We are the incarnation. We have received the Holy Spirit to be Jesus for others. We are already Christ's hands and feet to be put into service. We are Christ's mouth to speak for the poor or on behalf of the oppressed. We are Christ's eyes to see the evil in the world and the good in the world. We are Jesus. We are the body of Christ the church, the gathered disciples. We are Christ's body. And as disciples, we've been given a vocation until such time as Jesus truly does come back. We have been given this holy vocation to be Jesus, to be Christ-like, to do his work, to follow his example of doing ministry. And we do that. I think Plymouth United Church of Christ does that very well. And we do a lot of it. You've heard the uh, past couple of weeks during the stewardship moments some talk about some of the ministry that we do here, and it's been pointed out in the letters that went out in, uh, in the, the pamphlet that you received this week. And I hope you looked at that, uh, I don't know, call it a pamphlet or brochure, whatever it was, the, the trifold thing that talks about the ministries that we do here. We do a lot of ministry. And we're not a big church, but we're a church with a big heart. And we've had a good impact in Eau Claire and around the world and certainly even on one another. We're a church with a big heart and a big sense of Christian duty to, your, uh, to our neighbors. And as your pastor, I'm very thankful for that and very grateful to see the ministry that goes on here. We have our street ministry that's been going on and doing that downtown. Our, we have a group of women that have made quilts here for decades that go to Western Dairyland, that go to people who are temporarily homeless, who need uh, blankets for warmth. We have our fellowship meals. Every time that we come together, we're doing ministry to and with one another. I get to be out in the community doing things uh, and to write for the newspaper uh, and be a public face in, uh, in certain places. We have a Facebook page and a website, and we even now have a podcast. Had that for a couple of months. We have Sunday school for children and for adults to learn how to be disciples. We have great music. Thank you, Lynn. We have special worship services. We give to the St. Francis Food Pantry. We give to the community table. We do a lot. We do a lot. A lot of ministry coming out of here. And it all takes time and it all takes money. And it takes our volunteer hours and our giving, whether it's a giving of our money or giving of items to the thrift sale or to the bazaar, 
or running around town picking things up to bring in for the thrift sale or for the bazaar or to deliver nuts or to do whatever uh, we're doing. It takes a lot of time and it does take money. And not just the direct cost of maybe what we give to St. Francis or the cost of the materials for the quilters to make their quilts or uh, some of the other direct costs we have in this, but there's also uh, other costs, electricity, heat, insurance for the building, plowing, not yet, but some point, plowing, mowing the lawn, water. I, and so we're all called to give uh, as well. We are called to do and called to give. Uh, and we have talked here, at least in the letters that have gone out in past sermons I've, I've given, we've talked about the tithing model of giving, where you give 10% of what God has given, give that 10% or give 10% of that back to God for the ministry and the, and the work of the church. And that's a, a biblical model, but it's not the only biblical model. There are other models in there. Uh, uh, tithing is kind of, it's nice and easy, 10%, easy to compute, easy to figure out. Uh, Jesus offers a very different kind of stewardship model that involves no math. Jesus says, give everything. Whatever you have, give that. I remember when I was in college, one of our, uh, one of our classrooms or something had a kind of a, a little fake thing. It was the IRS 1040 really easy form. And it had two lines. And one line said, write in how much you made last year. And the second line was, send it in. <laughs> nice and easy. Jesus calls us to give everything we have. Which is insane at some level. And I don't think that Jesus is saying that we have to literally sell everything we have until we're uh, naked and homeless uh, and vulnerable and, and have nothing. I, that's not particularly responsible. But I think Jesus is saying, give everything you have in service to God. Give everything you have in service to God. Your house, your car, your education, your job, whatever it is. How you purchase things, what you purchase, your relationship to those things, what you keep for your own needs, put all of that in service to God. One way or another, put it all in service to God. Put it all in service to Jesus Christ, who talked really more uh, about our relationship to money and our relationship to things. It was never that things or money are bad or evil or even good and wonderful. They just are. It's our relationship to those things. And I'm part of that continuum of our relationship and how we give everything to God. Part of that continuum will be what we give to the church and what we give to other organizations that do work in the world that we believe in and that we think are good to do. And the Christian call is a call to generosity. It's a call to be generous. To be generous with ourselves, with our money, be generous with our time, to be generous with compassion, to be generous with mercy and forgiveness, understanding, patience, kindness, to be generous with love, especially to be generous with love and how we show that love in the world. And so there are many models of, of giving. 
And we have often here talked about tithing, but that's not the only model. There are many models of giving, and many uh, there's probably something wrong with most of them and something that's uh, very good with most of them. Uh, the only thing I would say is that any, uh, any model of giving that says you have to give in order for God to love you or to earn salvation or to have a ticket into heaven, that's not a good model. Uh, that's a false message. Don't trust that one. But there are many, many different models of how we give, and, and just one needs to pick one, create one that works for you, that works for your family, for your situation. We're all in different places, financially, economically, in our lives, in our vocations, in our careers, whether we have children or don't have children, fixed income, not fixed income. We're all in different places. And our salvation doesn't depend on, on our choice of how to give. There's no condemnation or anything for what we choose or don't choose. You know, we have in Christ already the gift of eternal life. That, that we already have. That can't be taken away. No matter what we do. And so we simply respond to that. We choose how we want to respond to that. Uh, and our eternal life is not going to be affected at all by how, by how we fill out our pledge cards this morning or, or whether we choose not to fill out a pledge card. But how we choose to fill out a pledge card or how we choose to give to the church will very much affect how we do ministry as this gathered body of Christ and to continue the ministries that we've had and maybe even to start some new ones. And so I'm going to invite you now, if you uh, should have received pledge cards in the mail, the yellow card, <coughs> if you have one, take a few moments, a minute or two to fill it out. Lynn's going to play some music, you'll have some time to think about it. Uh, if you forgot your card, uh, there are some, I think there's some more in the back, right, on the, on the thing. So if you raise your hand, someone will get one for you, you can go back and, uh, and grab one. So we'll have a couple of minutes to fill out our... Uh, fill out our cards, and then the ushers will take our offering, and that will be St. Francis offering, envelope offering, uh, and the pledge cards. So uh, Lynn's going to play for a couple of minutes, and then uh, ushers say give them about two minutes or so, and then if you could receive the offering, please. And so now let us bring forth our pledges uh, and our offerings. <laughs> 